Are y'all ready? Good morning, shrinking Legacy City Church. (laughs) I'm not declaring that. We have a few people out, which is typical, but that doesn't mean we can't have a good time, right? Right. You all carry the presence of God inside of you, and you're here, and you're ready to just let the river of the Holy Spirit flow out of you and fill the room when all of the streams flow as one river as we sang last week all the streams will flow as one river and wash away all brokenness so why don't we stand up we'll read a scripture together it is communion sunday the boroughs are going to lead us through communion we're going to do that at the end of worship and uh, then we'll see what happens after that so once again if you guys choose to come up here you can it's you know it's free open space up here or stay spread out that's okay no pressure (laughs) I like the open room up here feels kind of good all right you guys ready we're going to read a scripture together this is Colossians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 and it's actually kind of like the cherry on the cupcake of what we'll probably be going through today the first 15 verses of it but let's just jump right ahead to this part you ready Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips Be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. So let's pray. Father, we just come boldly this morning before your throne of grace. We come before you with lips drenched with praise for the anointed one, for King Jesus. We've come for one purpose, and that is to lift high the name of Jesus, our King, over our lives, over our circumstances, over our city, over our nation. God, we lift you high this morning. We want to exalt the name of Jesus. We want to magnify and make great and glorious your name in our space and in our time. We come this morning to invite you, Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, come like a fire and ignite our worship. Let the offering of our bodies be our worship and let your spirit's fire come and consume this offering today. We welcome you and we say, let heaven invade this space. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in this earth, in these earthen vessels, just as it is in heaven. We worship you in Jesus' name. Yes, God. God, we we just love you. We worship you, God. We're not just just here to worship you, God, to love on you and be loved by you. Church, let's just come up.
get kicked in the teeth by this man. taking communion and I was holding you guys did such a good job thank you for walking us through that 
And when I was holding the, I, I broke the, the bread into four pieces and, and uh, as they were walking us through that part, I was just remembering how, how, how God took my broken, shattered 20-year-old me on my living room floor put me back together <laughs> and it wasn't all perfect either but he stuck the parts back together and then he began me on a process of restoring redeeming redemption and there's just a, a couple things uh, I, I do want to open this up for anyone else to come up to and if you have something you can stand up here and I'll hand the microphone off but I want to share something really quick there was a time early on in my walk where yeah, I began to discover worship, like private worship, not, yeah. If you're young, you may or may not like the style of the songs that we do, you know, I don't know. It may not be your thing when you're all by yourself, but I chose to put aside my musical preferences and I went after music that I, I felt like, well, I can, I can relate to this. I can worship with this. I found something that sounded close enough to where it didn't feel like I was listening to Sandy Patty, you know, Disneyland chimes and horns and stuff. It just, that wasn't my style. And I, I found this album back in the day called Petra Praise. And about five blocks from here, on Virginia Street, 1942 Virginia Street. My dad owned the house and I rented it from him. And I had just moved out of an apartment where I had roommates and I was alone and I, I had time just to be with Jesus, just me and him, just me and the Lord. And I, I put that album on one day and I'm just gonna read to you some of the words Take me past the outer courts. Why don't you guys just close your eyes? I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> you want to sing it? I know you'd probably know it. But if you want to close your eyes and just, this is, I closed my eyes and, and I sang these words with all my heart to him. I said, take me past the outer courts into the holy place past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people, the priests who sing your praise. Lord, I hunger and thirst for your righteousness. And it's only found in one place. Take me in to the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Take the coal, cleanse my lips. Here I am. And I will never forget, as I worshiped him with that song in my living room alone, I felt a wind coming down from above me. I... I point to that as the time where I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He made himself so real. And then as we were taking communion and they were sharing about Jesus washing Judas's feet, there was another time in that same living room, in that same spot where I would worship, where I saw Jesus. It wasn't like a physical strong manifestation, but I saw him in my spirit coming in front of me and washing my feet. And it was the most humbling, broken experience I've ever had. <laughs> As you can imagine, who am I that the king of kings would wash my feet? But that's what he does for us. He washes our feet on the road. He, he washes us off. He He's like a good father who takes his child out of the mud and he just brushes you off and he just washes you clean and he's like, here you go, now get up and walk again. So I just want to pray this. 
and just take part in this if you guys would. If you just, just close your eyes. Lord, you are the potter and I am the clay. Mold me and make me all that you desire. For I am your creation redeemed by you for a holy purpose. Here's my heart, my mind, my soul, my body. You can have it all. I give you access to every part, all of my affections, my emotions, my passions. Thank you, Lord. So real worship is when we offer ourselves to him. And it's in that place of worship when we give ourselves to him, we, we give him permission, we give him access to come in to those places where we might otherwise put a wall up in front of or hide it from him, keep it behind us. And worship is when we can bring ourselves fully before the Lord, fully offering all that we are, inviting him to come into the deepest places because he wants to continue to redeem. He wants to continue to take the shattered parts that he's put back together and he wants to breathe his life into the, into the fractures, into the cracks and he wants to make it brand new with new life because he's called you into a new life. He's called me into a new life. And his presence is like fire. And I was seeing it as we worship today. I asked him, Lord, what are you doing in the room? And I felt like he said, I'm releasing my comfort, surrounding my people with comfort. But I saw it like fire, just like an invisible fire filling the room. And his fire melts the rocky places inside of us, melts them down just like butter. In the fire of his presence, it's an all-consuming fire. Does anyone want to come up here and share what God was showing you during worship? Or if you have a testimony, or if you feel like the Holy Spirit is uh, prompting something in particular, if you have a word of knowledge for healing, anything. Just come on up. Morning. Scott, as you were um, giving your testimony and when you said 1942 Petra, oh my gosh, that just ignited me because Petra is a rock. Jesus is a rock. And I thought there's something significant in the 1942. So as I looked it up, and of course I left my glasses over there, um, the number one is oneness, it's a trinity. Number two conveys the meaning of union. Number four derives the meaning from creation. And number two is the day of salvation. So I think the 1942, wow, is that not prophetic, Petra? Anyway, um, the Lord just touched me on that one, and I wanted to look it up. But I wanted to say how sweetly you guys brought communion. Your word was so good. And during worship, um, as I was back there, and really just um, praying and doing warfare for our prodigals, because I believe in his promises. And he has me in a place right now of um, seeing with greater kingdom eyes. Not seeing circumstances, being stuck in the circumstances but seeing what he is doing as if it's already done. And as I'm praying for this community um, and really gave me the unction to do that, um, and Marilyn has joined me in that, and maybe some of the others of you have, Marilyn and I have been walking through the building and seeing the prophetic things that have been placed in this building and speaking into that. So I just want to say that um, in the place of looking for... Um, the redemption story and everything, because that's what he wants to do. He wants to, to redeem things and restore things. And as I was coming up the back steps and I was praying outside, he said, um, oh, i got to remember exactly how he said it. Um, give me just a second. He said, that which is lost can always be found. So he's in the business of restoration, rejuvenation, redemption, 
and that's what he wants. So when you're facing circumstances, try not to get stuck in the circumstances, but just to say, what is this, God? What should my response be? What are you doing? And help give me kingdom eyes to see the end from the beginning. When I first got saved, I just loved testimonies because I could hear somebody's story and how Jesus intervened and made an unhappy ending become a happy ending. And I learned in recovery that whether somebody believes your story or not, they can't take your testimony from you. You know that you know that you know that you know. So here's my testimony, a couple of them for the week. Some of you who've known my husband for years know that Two years ago, he had a miraculous surgery that was not supposed to make him walk again. And back then, he walked with two canes, his legs turned in like this, and he walked 125 feet, and that was as far as he could go. The surgery that he got um, was just supposed to take some pressure off his lower spine, but the next morning, he was up out of that hospital bed and walking without a cane, and he still walks two miles every day. <laughs> yeah, talk about a sign that makes them wonder. So we've been rejoicing, and everybody where we live in our community has seen it, and they're just like baffled, and those that believe are raising a hallelujah. And about a week ago, um, he tried to get up out of bed, and he didn't have balance, he didn't have coordination. He said, my legs aren't moving. I don't know what to do. And I said, you just stay right there and you just pray. And I'm going to run out to the car and I'm going to get my old cane. Remember the one I used when this was wacko? Well, I keep the cane in the car because when I take care of Amelie, the step down from their front porch to the, to the gravel, is it's not a normal step. So sometimes I'll use that as a you know, give me some stability. So I ran out to the car and I said, Lord, this man's going to have a fit when I bring a cane back in. Because he cut up his other two canes and gave them to me as a Christmas present. And I said, why do you want me to bring this cane in? And he said, well, when your knee went out, he said, you asked for healing. I said, I didn't do it on the spot. He said, because you always talk about signs that make them wonder and how I turn those signs that make them wonder into signs and wonders. He said, my healing anointing is on that cane. Bring it in. Didn't say a word to my husband about it. And I just brought it in and I said, here, Randy, use this. So he used it and he walked into the kitchen. And I had to leave and go take care of baby that day. I don't know what happened from the front room past the kitchen other than he's never used the cane again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he said he used it to go out to get the newspaper because he said a couple neighbors were walking their dogs and said something about, oh no, Randy, what's up? And so, again, the testimony comes of they see him the day later, two days later, no cane and the testimony that gets to come out of that. Yesterday, um, I had the, the privilege of going with my little sweet um, um, Crystal. Many of you met her when they first came and the first time I preached, and she's a little special needs gal, just sweet, sweet, sweet as can be. And um, we used to call her Princess, and I was Queen Marilyn. Then she decided one day she wanted to be a queen. And the Lord said, tell her she's a queen in training because she has to be under your authority. So we meet at the Dairy Queen because that's where queens meet. So I meet up with she and her mommy yesterday, and I have a new title. She, now remember, the Lord said make her queen, queen in, in training, princess and then queen. She looked at me and she called me her fairy godmother. Now, in my flesh, again, I thought, 
I don't really have a chapter and verse for that one. What do you do with fairy godmother? You know, it's kind of like in my culture having a godmother and a godfather stuff, you know. But I just smiled and said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And then I said, Crystal, I said, why do you call me fairy godmother? Now hear my heart in her response. Because we have no idea sometimes the impact we have in other people's lives. And yet everybody in this room is somebody's fairy godmother, somebody's fairy godfather. And here's sweet little Crystal saying, it's because you love me so well. That coming out of a special needs child whose mind is not deep enough to come up with that. But her heart feels that and knows that. Can you imagine how many people we are changing atmosphere in? That's the moral of the story. It's him through us. Now Crystal likes to get excited and she does all this. So we're in the midst of Dairy Queen and they gave me a beautiful dress. And Crystal has the same dress, so we're, 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 I'm going to invite her to church and we're going to wear the same dress and all of that. But we got out of the booth and we held hands and we danced. Now, little Dairy Queen down there's not some place you're going to get lost. Everybody can see you. And she's twirling and, you know, she goes, ooh, and she twirls around and around and around and around and I'm trying to keep her buoyant and I'm twirling around and around and around. In the days of old, I would have thought, my gosh, I'm pushing 73 and I'm dancing in the middle of a dairy. Could have cared less who was in there. We're laughing, we're giggling. She's having the time of her life. Not special needs, the time of her life. So then she sits back down and there's a family sitting back here. So I went over to them. You know me. I love to lay hands on people because the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall get healed. I don't know what they're sick. It doesn't have to be flu. It could be nobody's touched them. Nobody's loved them. No, whatever. So I went over and I'm laying hands on the mom and I said to the, give the dad a whack. And, I'm, you know, and I just said, I hope he didn't come to have a quiet lunch because I said, my little friend Crystal and I are not quiet at all. And that mom looked up and she just looked at me and she said, it's really fun watching you guys. Now, the enemy would like to make us think we look stupid, we're, we're messing up somebody else's time, or whatever. And quite honestly, the Lord turned it into showtime. A time to show them how special it is just to love, to laugh, to release his joy, to not care about what other people think. And so I'm challenging you that maybe, maybe, maybe sometime this week there's a Dairy Queen moment for you. Then the last thing is Naira and I have really been praying a lot for prodigals, more specifically for our own specifics. When I was back here today, the Lord just said, get a list of names of prodigals in this church and start praying. So if you have prodigals and you want prayer for them, we're going after them. I want your names, I want who they are to you. Don't need anything else, like Judas, he could care less. Our past do not define who we are. It's our today, which is the day of glory, and our tomorrows as we walk with him. So if you have prodigals, whether it's this week or next week, would you bring me their names? Thank you. Good, good stuff. Anybody else wanna share something? You guys got something? Testimonies? Anything that God's just thumping away on your heart? Kids? You guys got anything? Has God done anything cool in your lives this last week? You see any miracles happen? You feel like God's been, you feel like the Holy Spirit's been drawing your heart towards him more? Anything like that? No? No, I've just been getting whipped a lot. <laughs> That was a fun one. Yeah, come on up, big kid. If you were in our house at all, you'd be like, they're, yeah, they're all immature. <laughs> um, well, this last week, I don't know if everybody knows, but I'm a caregiver. So I go to um, help people out, get dressed, get ready for the day. 
And it's just that these older people don't have the ability to do that themselves anymore. It's not that they don't want to. In fact, they, they feel kind of at a loss that they can't do the normal things like you can't. Put on your shoes, get dressed, brush their teeth, do their hair. But it's such a joy to go to breakfast with them because I can talk to them and find out what's going on or we'll just talk about whatever. Well, it was really quiet at the table, and I said, can I share a joke that I heard today? And they were like, yeah. You know, I didn't know they'd be so excited about a dumb joke. And Joel Osteen, he usually says a joke before he starts his sermons. And I listen to him on the radio when I'm going to work sometimes. And so um, I told the joke, and I was just sitting at a table, and they have them all different directions. And the reason for that is that some people are in wheelchairs, and if they had a hip or a knee surgery, their leg is usually sticking out and they don't want anybody near them to touch that thing because they're in such pain. So I'm sitting at a table and there's some people behind me. I tell the joke and people behind me start laughing. I didn't realize everybody, well, my voice is kind of loud, but they heard me in the back and they were, ah, 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 ah. And they said, well, tell another joke. So I told another dumb one. And um, they started laughing, and I was leaving the room, and I thought, you know what? If I can bring laughter to people who don't have a laugh for the day, I did my job today, you know, more than anything else. And as I was leaving, one of the aides stopped me, and she grabbed my arm, and she says, Leslie, can you come back for lunchtime? I looked at her like, she goes, we need somebody to initiate conversation. It's just acknowledging um, they're there, and I want to pull out, who are you? You know, what's going on with you? And some people will be there only a couple days just for recovery until they can go back home. And, you know, some of those people come back to visit because they get part of the family at the table, and they want to know what's happening to other people and how they're rehab and how they're doing. So even if you don't have a joke to tell somebody, even if you can just give them a smile, it just makes their day. And I don't care who you are, whether you're young or you're older, people are looking at you. And you can just encourage them with a smile. So I just wanted to share that. I'm going to set a timer. So we're going to keep this really short. That, that is perfect. Perfect. I don't know where my computer kid went, but he'll be back, I suppose. You know, one of the things that stood out to Tammy and I when we lived in Tacoma was we'd come across Christians quite a bit and there were two types and we always knew when we saw people from New Song New Song City Central it's because we would be at the, the Tacoma Mall and there's this group of young people and they're all just laughing and smiling and they it wasn't just you know laughing like you know telling bad jokes they were just like you could feel and see the joy yeah, it just it emanated off of them. And so as a mailman in Tacoma, I, I would discover who the Christians are pretty quick. You know, if you get a CBD catalog in the mail, that's pretty much a giveaway. You're ordering packages, you know, your, your, book, your Bible books are in. So I would typically ask people, hey, I'm going to guess that you're a Christian. And, uh, you know, I, I could tell who was from New Song, and I could tell who were from, I won't say church names, but the more um, reformed theology streams, which means you know, they don't really like the Holy Spirit. They kind of, they like the Holy Spirit, but in their opinion, the Holy Spirit is very neat and orderly and very biblically sound. But what is biblically sound? You know, because when I read the Bible and I see the stuff the Holy Spirit did, it's pretty wild. I mean, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church in Acts, people thought they were drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. So, we're not drunk as you suppose. We're just filled with the Holy Ghost. So anyway, I don't know where my son went, but he's supposed to run some... You want to jump in there and, and get the scriptures out? I hear the... <laughs> we'll just pretend we aren't, we aren't noticing that. <laughs> 
You know, last week we, we went into the theme of joy, walking in supernatural joy. And I, I had said that I felt like it was a little uncomfortable when I was talking to the Lord about it, but I felt like he was putting it on my heart to go into it. And the reason why it was uncomfortable is because many of us are in seasons where we're not very joyful. And I didn't want to lay something out that was going to feel like condemnation or feel like a heavy, that something that I can't walk in. The, the truth is that we all have the ability to walk in radical joy, radical hope and joy. There's my computer guy. We're going to get ready to put you to work here, so don't, don't snack too much over there at the cookie bar. <laughs> um, so we, we, dived, we did a little dive into some, some scriptures, and we got about half of it done, and I'm not going to try to do the other half today, not in 11 minutes, but we'll just, we'll just touch on it a little bit. I'll take a few of the highlights. Let's go ahead, Ethan, and let's take a look at slides number 22 and then 23. So slide number 22 is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. And again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Point number one to all the cultists out there, Jesus is not an angel and he's not Lucifer's brother. He is creator God, the one and only begotten of the Father. So, anyway, got to say that. Not that you guys were on the edge of heresy or anything, but so the Bible tells us the angels were meant to worship Jesus. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Now, I'll stop on that for a second, too. I really appreciate the fact that Bill Johnson likes to point out that, you know, it is foolishness to worship angels. We see in Revelation when John fell down at the feet of the angel to worship him, he's like, don't do it. Get up. <laughs> Get up, you, you know, numbskull. I'm just an angel. Worship God. So it's foolish to worship angels, but it is equally foolish to ignore them. He has made angels, winds and ministers, of minister, his ministers a flame of fire. I don't know what the winds and the flames of fire do, but I know that God has designed each one of you to have a flame over your head. That he has assigned angelic protection, angelic assistance to go with you. I don't know a whole lot about it. I do know that Galen took a probably four weeks. Um, so if you're interested in an in-depth angelic study, go to the New Horizons website uh, podcast and listen to the four sermons if you're doing the schooling that we're doing right now, you won't have time for that, but you know, maybe on a rainy day or something. So let all God's angels worship Jesus, just like we should not worship angels, but worship God. Angels are important. They are ministers. They are winds and flames of fire. But of the Son of God, he says, your throne, O God. I love to point this one out to the Jehovah's and the Mormons. Not in a mean way, but just to encourage them, you know sow those seeds of doubt in their false doctrine. Of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. That's an important thing to highlight. We're living in a, in a society and a culture right now where everything that you would think would be normal is being flipped upside down. What makes sense to our natural minds that boys are boys and girls are girls is now trying to be flipped upside down and erased. Now it's whatever you feel. But his scepter, the scepter of King Jesus is a scepter of uprightness. He has come to turn things that are flipped upside down and bring them upright. He's come to take the broken things and to make them whole. He was come to take the twisted things and untwist them back into his original intent. So the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. 
far be it from us that we be a people that treat the blood of Christ as an unholy thing and walk in unrighteousness thinking that the grace of God is there to cover it all, so why not? We've all probably at some point stepped our feet in dark things, in things that where we shouldn't tread, but the Holy Spirit's been so faithful to come and convince us and to convict us of righteousness to bring us back up to who we truly are in him. But Jesus, he loves righteousness and he hates wickedness. Therefore, because of that fact, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness or the oil of joy beyond your companions. Go back to that real quick because I don't want them to read that. I like how the scripture points out the fact that Jesus is to be worshipped, that angels were made to worship him, that he, he is enthroned as, a, as the king of righteousness, as the king of holiness. And because he, he hated unrighteousness and wickedness and wanted to establish uprightness and righteousness, because of that, God, the Father, has anointed him with the oil of joy. I think there's a key in that. I think that if we try to marry the grace of God on our lives with walking on a path of darkness at the same time, trying to mix darkness and light together, basically have one foot in the world, when I say the world, the worldly pleasures, the worldly fun, the things that they find in the world as, as fun, the things that we, we know, like drunkenness and sexual immorality, all of that stuff. If we try to keep one foot in that and one foot in the kingdom, you're not going to have joy. You're going to be in strife. You're going to be in confusion because you're not going to really know who you are or where you stand. You're going to be confused because there's a part of you that knows what is right, that wants to walk in the light, but there's this other part of you that you've chosen to not grab a hold of and move forward with Jesus. I'm not preaching to you guys like you guys are living in sin. I'm just I'm just running with this, so hopefully you guys are okay. You guys are doing good? Doing good? Okay. So I just, I feel like there's something on that. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness or the oil of joy beyond your companions because, because he hated wickedness and unrighteousness. God has joy for us. And joy is not an emotion. It is a person. It's the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Holy Spirit. We looked uh, last week at Romans 14, where it says, Paul said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit, and the kingdom is consists of righteousness, peace, and joy. So it is our inheritance as believers who carry Holy Spirit inside of us that the manifestation of his spirit in us is for us to enjoy and participate in that divine nature of God's through the Holy Spirit living in us, imparting to us his righteousness, his peace, and his joy. Steve Backlund likes to say that our hope levels are a good indicator of whether or not we're believing truth or believing lies. If our hope levels are high, most likely we're believing truth. But if our hope levels drop down low, it's probably because we're believing lies. Because every area of our life, as Francis Frangipan quoted, from his, or they, Steve quotes from Francis's book, every area of our lives that doesn't glisten or shine brightly with hope is under the influence of a lie. And that lie is becoming a stronghold of the devil. So just like hope is an indicator, so true, deep Holy Spirit joy inside of your heart as a believer is a good indicator whether or not we're believing truth and walking in truth. That's not meant to be a, a condemnation because I'm not, I'm not saying that joy is an emotion it may manifest as laughing and smiling and being glowing and, and exuberant and having a little skip in your step. 
But it also may be a very humble, quiet joy. There was a a little thing we shared last week that I saw on Facebook. Joy is peace that's quiet. I mean, no. Joy is peace out loud. Peace is joy that's quiet. It's a good way to think about it. So the next scripture. So Jesus, he was anointed with the oil of joy, right? So John 15, this is what Jesus said, verses 9 through 11. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Jesus' will and his heart for you and me is that our hearts would be filled with the same joy that he has, that we would experience that filling of our hearts with overflowing gladness. But that gladness is rooted in something. It's rooted in who he is. It's rooted in the testimony. You know, when I, when I tried to share those memories of my first moments as walking with the walking as a believer giving my heart to Jesus in my living room I struggle saying that and telling that because it's a really deep tender place that ignite it was like the the power igniting at the beginning of my journey and it it was probably the most powerful start that I have ever experienced in my walk with God and there have been other powerful deposits along the way, and he continues daily to empower and give deposits of his grace and his, his love and his Holy Spirit's energizing of my body and my mind and my heart. But when I go back to that first moment, it's all rooted in his great love and compassion for me. And as we remember, as we recall the first time we came to faith in Jesus, the first time he made himself real to you, the first time he showed up as you prayed for someone and you were like, wow, he is actually very real and he's with me and he's loving me and allowing me to partner with him to, to minister healing to somebody. Whatever that moment is, those are all his ways of drawing your attention to the fact of his love and his mercy over your life. And it is in that place that we find our joy. It's in that place of knowing that we can throw off all of the religious crap, all of the do's and don'ts and trying to be perfect, and we can just come straight to the heart of who he is and who he is towards us and for us. We're going to close with this because now that 15 minutes is up. We're 25 seconds in reverse. I read this out loud last week, but I, I typed it up so we can look at it this week. And some of you weren't here, so hopefully you'll appreciate this. Let me just find out where it's at. Oh, yeah, slides 24 through 26. And you don't have to stand because Tammy says don't do that to everybody because it's sometimes longer than you want to stand. So just stay cozy, sit comfortably. You guys doing okay? Okay, we're going to wrap it up with this. So, Okay, so this was a testimony about joy, walking in joy. I want to think like God. Being the person he's created me to become, simply when I let go of performance and a focus on unreachable standards and instead begin to let him transform my mind, and dispel the lies that have masqueraded as truth for so long. We need to be brave enough to hear the truth about ourselves, his truth. And his truth is wonderfully hopeful. It goes beyond our wildest imaginations. Life is much more intensely beautiful than we ever thought possible. Dare to think like God. He has made us powerful people who never have to be dictated by our circumstances. 
That was one of the most life-changing things I learned. I actually have the ability to choose what I let affect me. We are capable of walking in perfect peace and joy when we are connected to the heart of Jesus constantly and when our minds and hearts are only hearing his truth. But it's our choice to be in that place. I think it's like a good habit. You just have to literally practice peace and joy every day. Ignore the he. I was supposed to delete that part. It doesn't happen overnight, especially if you've built a habit of the opposite mindset. But he is so good to lead us through the process of renewing our thinking and letting our emotions become sanctified. It is my choice in the moment that begins to create the long-lasting pattern. I love how Bill Johnson puts it. I cannot afford to have a thought in my head that God doesn't have in his. So I went to that, and you can just blank it out for now if you want. I went to that again because what it comes down to, when it comes back to, is our mindsets. And I had said last week that about two-thirds of what the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament is all about mind renewal. It is all about changing the way we think. So our choice to set our minds on the things that God says about us, on the things that God has done for us, the recounting and rejoicing in his previous things he's done. When I, excuse me, when I reflect back to my beginning of my walk with him, there's something that strikes something up fresh inside of my heart. It, It takes me back to the foundation of where this all began, and it is all because of his love for me, not because of anything I've ever done. And when we come back to that place, when we, we take our mindset and we come back to the place where he, to the place of what he says about us and what he's done for us, that is where we'll find our joy and where, where we find our peace. Why don't you guys stand up? This is kind of a, that really wasn't a, full on going into what I was thinking we would, but it was just a nugget. We'll just take that home, just like a chicken nugget. Just chew on that today. <laughs> take your peace, your peace nugget, and your, your joy nugget, your hope nugget. The challenge, the opportunity to practice. Don't allow your circumstances to be the thing that dictates to you whether or not you have joy or peace. Peace and joy are an inside job. You have the king of peace who was anointed with the oil of joy above all of his companions living inside of your heart. Living in, He's seated right inside of you on the throne of your spirit. He's in you. He has given you a new nature. He has set you up so that you can participate in his divine attributes, that the fruit of Holy Spirit would flood your innermost being. As you renew your mind with truth, that fruit will rise up and it will change the way you think. It will take hold of the the things that you're retraining your mind with and it will empower it's like the light bulb, the filament. Well, we have LED lights these days, but it's like the little wire filament inside the old incandescent light bulbs. When that wire is put in place, when the truth is put in and the power of the Holy Spirit surges into that truth, you light up. So we just need to stay faithful to the process of allowing him to rewire our thinking to transform who we are by renewing our thinking with truth taking out the lies and putting in the truth and then letting his power surge through us into that truth so that we shine with his hope, his love, his joy, his peace, his patience. So Holy Spirit, we just open up our hearts again and again. We open up who we are and we just say we are yours and we put ourselves in your hands that you would continue to have your free reign and and you would continue to have your way in us and in our thinking. 
Lord, we just ask you to show us the places where we are believing lies. That you would show us where those lies are at, those, those strongholds that are in our thinking. And that we would take every thought and we would take it captive and we would make it obedient to you, Lord Jesus. In our minds where we are fearful of our future, where we, we are afraid that our health may not hold up for the long haul. We just take that lie and we put it before you and we say, you're going to bow to Jesus because he has written in his book every day ordained for me. And I will live every one of those days out. I will fulfill the purpose that he has for my life. And the final page of my life will be, well done, good and faithful servant. So we just, we present ourselves to you in that way today, Lord. We say, take every thought that is not of you, every lie that we are believing, and we just say, illuminate those things. Shine your light on it, expose it, and by your grace, help us to exchange the lies for truth. We commit ourselves to you from the first day we said yes to you. We commit ourselves to walk with you on a journey of mind renewal of going from glory to glory to glory as you transform us in our thinking and in our spirits as we keep ourselves positioned towards you. As we look upon your face with unveiled faces, as we look upon the glory of the Lord Jesus with our faces uncovered, we give ourselves to the process of being transformed into your likeness into the sons and daughters of God. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have called each one of us in this place into such a privileged journey. And I pray that the hope of that walk with you would ignite and fill every person in this room and that people would see the hope that they carry and the hope that I carry. In Jesus' name.